This episode of Amateur Traveler is sponsored by DK Eyewitness Travel Guides. These colorful guidebooks are filled with great information and are one of my favorite guidebooks. I have 25 of them right here on my bookshelf. Learn more at dk.com. Amateur Traveler, episode 464. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about 10,000 years of human habitation, the Civil War, white sauce, barbecue sauce, and rockets as we go to the Tennessee Valley in Tennessee and Alabama. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As I do that little preview of the show, I do wonder if some of you try and guess what place we're going to talk about and if you got the Tennessee Valley for today's show. If not, you'll be able to next time. We're going to talk a little more about our sponsors later on, but first, let's talk about the Tennessee Valley. I'd like to welcome back to the show Chuck Pravat from foodwinebeertravel.com, who has come to talk to us about the Tennessee River Valley. Chuck, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. And I say welcome back to the show. Chuck was in episode 250, I think we decided, on the Gulf Coast of Florida and has written 15 or 16 different posts for the Amateur Traveler, including a lot of book reviews. So I appreciate that. Can you put the Tennessee River Valley on the map for us? We're not always in Tennessee in the Tennessee River Valley. I know that much. No, we're not. Tennessee River runs from the western side of the Appalachian Mountains down through southeast Tennessee into and through all the way through North Alabama and then swings back north up through Tennessee and comes in and meets the Ohio River about Paducah, Kentucky. Okay. So why should one go to the Tennessee River Valley? The Tennessee Valley is really kind of the snapshot of the South and kind of its past, its present, and its future. We talk about in Tennessee the Appalachia and the history that is there, people coming across the mountains initially, then you, you move down through the 1940s and the development of the Tennessee Valley Authority, which brought electricity to the area. And then you move in down into the Huntsville area where NASA has a huge facility at the Mark George C. Marshall Space Flight Center where they do the daily operational control of the International Space Station, did the, most of the development on the Hubble Space Telescope, and shuttle was all managed out of the Marshall Space Flight Center. Okay. And what kind of itinerary would you recommend for tackling this valley? When I thought about this, I thought we'd start in southeast Tennessee in a little area strange enough called Duck Town. <laughs> okay. There's also a turtle town and a dog town in the same vicinity. I've actually heard of Dog Town, <laughs> but I had not heard of Duck Town. What I recommend is you spend a day rafting on the Ocoee River. Uh, it was the site of the 1996 Olympic whitewater competition. It's a great, fun family trip. Kids eight or nine years old and up can, can do it. It's not, especially the upper Ocoee, is not all that technical. You can do full-day trips and do the whole eight or ten miles of the river or a half-day trip. And I recommend you use one of two outfitters up there, the Ocoee Adventure Center or the Ocoee Outpost of the Nanahale Outdoor Center. Both primo professional operations, you'll have a great time. The middle section of the Ecuador River has got 18 class three or higher rapids. It's a lot of fun. And Ducktown, first of all, has nothing to do with Duck Dynasty. But no. Do you know why it's called Ducktown? I don't off the top of my head. When you're in the area there, if you get time, go up to the Ducktown Basin Museum. 
The whole area up there is actually referred to as the Copper Basin, where during the 1890s through, oh, probably 1970s, there were a number of copper mines in operation and a smelting operation there. And the Basin Museum is built around one of the old abandoned copper mines. Kind of show you the, the whole history of the area and the problems that the copper mining and smelting caused for a number of years downwind from that area was almost barren from the acid rain from the hmm. copper smelting operation. Well, and in answer to my previous question, apparently Duck Town by tradition was named after the Cherokee leader named Chief Duck. Oh. Which I wouldn't have guessed, but, I but apparently never guessed that either. This this whole area apparently has a Cherokee uh, background, uh, which I didn't yeah. put them that far up into that area. But interesting. Okay, excellent. Where to next? After you get off the river, you continue driving east down Highway 64 into Cleveland, Tennessee. I'd spend a night there and hit the uh, museum at Five Points there in Cleveland, and that's going to tell you about that whole Southern Appalachian history from the pre-Cherokee up through today. Uh, a permanent exhibit called the River of Time does a great job of telling you all about the history of that southern end of the Appalachians there. Interesting. Okay. And while you're in Cleveland, go to a place called Gardner's Market in downtown Cleveland for lunch. The guy that owns this immigrated to the United States from England, and it is a semi-traditional British market here in downtown Cleveland, Tennessee. Makes great sandwiches, though. <laughs> When you say a British market, I don't know that I can picture what makes a market look British besides having better tea or something. I say a British market. I think it's, I said that because he's British. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but it's all pictures of the queen and. Got it. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. Anything particular we should order while we're there? I was always partial to the roast beef sandwiches, but. Okay. I mean, I, I never had anything bad, so... Well, there's a reason why the British soldiers were known as beef eaters, so... This is true. That works out well. Excellent. Where to next? To the southeast, down into Chattanooga. There you can spend a couple of days, three days, four days, wh whatever you want there. I mean, there's all, all kinds of stuff to do there. In particular, the Bluffy Arts District, which is a collection of little art galleries and coffee shops all up on the bluff overlooking the, the Tennessee River. Okay. There's sculpture gardens, and there's also the Tennessee Aquarium there, which focused on the aquatics of the Tennessee River. Mm -hmm. You go in and ride escalator up, and you start at the top and work your way down through the building. And so up at the top is an, an aviary where they have all the bird life of the river, and then you work your way down through the levels of the river till you get down at the bottom, and you're looking at channel catfish and the things that live in the deep mm. water channels of the river. Interesting. It's pretty neat the way they did it. I love a well-presented museum. It gives you an idea of how things should be to me. Another thing to do there, I mean, just in downtown Chattanooga, if you're a railroad fan, the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. They've uh, taken the old Chattanooga train station mm -hmm. and have converted it into a hotel. Okay. They have a number of, of course, the traditional hotel rooms. But they also have a number of old train cars that have been converted that you can have the train car at your hotel room. Excellent. They also have a huge little model railroad display there, and you can ride an old street trolley car. Around the grounds? Uh, around the grounds, yeah. Excellent. And if you're in Chattanooga in June, you got to time it so you hit the Riverbend Festival. Okay. Now, this is eight days of music spread over six, seven, eight stages, depending on the year, most of which are barges they've 
tie up on the riverbank. Oh, interesting. It's just a great party. <laughs> <laughs> Any there. particular style of music, or is it uh, eclectic? It really just kind of covers everything. Okay. You know, you'll have everything from country to metal. If you're there on Mondays, they have something called the Bessie Smith Strut, which is okay. a way to get dressed up in their Sunday finest and parade down through to some blues music. It's a hoot. <laughs> okay. Also along in Chattanooga, you have the Chattanooga and Chickamauga National Military Parks. And I would have been disappointed if you had left them out. Okay. <laughs> it's about 10,000 acres of military park based along the battles between the Union and Confederate armies for control of Chattanooga. During the American Civil War, Chickamauga was actually the first national military park created. I didn't realize that. It was created, and as part of the park's charter, as I understand it, that it's there for the study of the military arts. And if you get Hmm. really lucky when you're visiting, you'll run into a group of Army officers doing a staff ride, Hmm. which is they will go and they will have done research on different aspects of the battle, and they'll go and then be presenting what they found to their peers so this is commissioned, currently commissioned officers in officer candidate school or something who are right. doing this. Right. People go there from the Army War College. Oh. They'll go there from the Command and General Staff College, hmm. from the Officer Candidate School, from, from all over. They'll, they'll come there to do these things. And if you get really lucky, you'll, hit, you'll find one of the groups that has the park historian with them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the park historians there tell some just great great stories about the battle and know it in detail and know whatever unit from North Carolina or Ohio crossed that road over there and wound up here and okay. can, can get you into that level of detail. There's nine or ten different hikes that you can do around the battlefield that they have mapped out. You can do everything from the perimeter hike around the park, which is just over 20 miles, hmm. or they have a hike specifically for where the Confederate line lines were, or they have what they call the Monument Trail, which takes you through back and forth across the lines to where all the generals had their headquarters and what they could see from there. Hmm. And there's even a little five-mile just nature trail there where they, you know, they can give you a guide and you go out and hunt the wildflowers. Interesting. Well, you know me, I'm a Civil War buff, so that's something that I would enjoy. It is. Sure. It's, Chris, you would have a ball there. Yeah. <laughs> you can also go up to the top of Lookout Mountain, which mm-hmm. has another part of the National Military Park called Point Park, which is right at the point of Lookout Mountain, looking down over the end of the valley and over Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. There you'll find the largest replica of the Army Corps of Engineers in the world. It's the gateway to Point Park. Okay. The big castle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's take a break at this point and talk about our sponsor, who is DK Eyewitness Travel Guides. The last couple episodes, I've been talking about Morocco because I was about to head there and what the Eyewitness Travel Guide had to say about it. I should say I got into trouble because I accidentally left our Eyewitness Travel Guide at home on the nightstand next to the bed and got in trouble with my wife, who was planning on reading it on the plane. Fortunately, Chandra, who is a former guest on the show and one of the people on the tour, had brought her copy of the Eyewitness Travel Guide for Morocco. 
As I was looking back now at the guide having been there, there's some great pictures of Ait Ben Hadou, the UNESCO World Heritage Site that we visited. Both the two-page spread on this wonderful city that we'll talk more about in later episodes, as well as a two-page spread on what a kasbah is like. And that's a fortified house. And we saw several kasbahs, including six within the Kassar that was Ait Ben Hadou, the walled city of Ait Ben Hadou. I will say that as fun as it was to use the DKI Witness Travel Guide and travel planning, I'm still enjoying it, leafing back through it, seeing all the things that we saw while we were there. If you want to get your own DKI Witness Travel Guide, go to dk.com. And other things you can do in, in Chattanooga, there's hang gliding, water skiing, kayaking, fishing, all of it there along, along the river. Okay. If you're there in the fall, there's a river boat that's docked there in Chattanooga, and it does color cruises down through the Tennessee River Gorge, oh, which is just west of Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. If you hit it right in the fall, because the colors there will rival New England. And I'm guessing that's going to be late fall because we're further south. Yeah, it's probably late October Okay, for the, the best time there. Okay. So from Chattanooga, I'm going to take you southwest towards Huntsville. And it's about, about a two-hour drive from Chattanooga to Huntsville down Highway 72. Now, I notice you're saying the name of that city different than I was. I tend to say Huntsville because that's the way we, we spell it, but that is not the way we say it. No, it's Huntsville. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's spelled Huntsville. Uh, I guess if you live there long enough, the T becomes kind of semi-silent. <laughs> okay. And uh, that V-I-L-L-E looks, sounds like V-U-L to me. Yeah. Okay. First place to stop is Russell Cave National Monument, mm-hmm. a little national park unit there in uh, northern Jackson County. It's an archaeological site. They've got about 10,000 years of human record in the caves hmm. where people have lived on and off. And human record drawings or artifacts or? Just artifacts okay. that they've uncovered living there. Okay. It's probably a quarter mile or so worth of walking from the visitor center back to the caves. Where mm-hmm. You walk in and you can see, if you time it right, you get to see the archaeologists digging and can interact with them. It's pretty neat. And if you're really lucky and it's the right park ranger's working, he'll take you out and teach you how to throw an atlatl, which is this spear-throwing contraption oh, okay. that they use for hunting. Big game hunting. Yes. Well, big game being big deer in that area. Mm-hmm. And you also get your national park passport stamp there. So. All right. So. The next place we're going to stop is something that, oh, it's been on 2020 at least once and Oprah a couple of times. And that's the Unclaimed Baggage Center. Oh, sure. Okay. In Scottsboro. <laughs> Chris, this place is, is simply amazing. I don't really know what this is. They've got more stuff that you might need or want than you can possibly imagine. I tried to make a donation just three weeks ago, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything from prom grounds to wedding dresses to, to scuba and ski gear. Well, as I recall, they have a website that you can see some of the stuff that they're auctioning off that has not been claimed for a year or something like that. Well, no, th- this is not auction stuff. Okay. Th- these people will go and buy that stuff at auction and then put it out in a retail setting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Then they sort of have all the clothes dry cleaned. Hmm. I mean, I know people that have been there to their ski sale, which strangely enough is in like May, and have talked about the fantastic deals they get on ski equipment where people have left their skis and boots and all on airplanes or in buses or wherever, and it all winds up in Scottsboro, Alabama. (laughs) 
I have to, I have to figure that some of that was lost in transit rather than that many people are just forgetting they brought skis in the plane. But I I could just be wrong. It, it's a shopping experience. <laughs> a couple was in there buying engagement rings. Hmm. Add and claim baggage. So, <laughs> a couple other places you might want to stop along that line. Alabama's newest state park, Cathedral Caverns. Is there along the same road? I haven't, I've never been there, at least since it became a state park. It was a privately owned tourist attraction run for many years and then set closed to the public for 30 years. Hmm. And then the, the state acquired it and has reopened it as a state park. We got to back up to Tennessee for just a minute. If you like cooking in cast iron, the Lodge Cast Iron Factory is in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, which is where you'll get off to turn into Alabama. And they have a factory outlet store there. If you need new cast iron cookware, that's the place to go. That might work better for on a road trip rather than having to put it back in our luggage and get back in the suit in the airplane. But they might, but unless we want to end up with our luggage in Scottsboro, potentially that's the other that, possibility. That's, that is a possibility, <laughs> but I think they ship. Oh, okay, all right. So on on down into Huntsville, the the must see thing to see in Huntsville while you're there, of course, is the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Mm-hmm. It's also an official NASA Visitor Center. You can see the entire history of the U.S. space program in one place, starting from Robert Goddard building rockets and shooting them off in snow-covered fields, up through Shuttle, and now Orion, as they're getting ready for that program. Hmm. You can get on a bus tour there, and they'll take you out through the uh, Marshall Space Flight Center, and show you some of the historic locations out there. Those include the first test stand where they first tested the, the rocket that carried Explorer 1, the first satellite into orbit, mm-hmm. or the first U.S. satellite into orbit, I should say. Right, sure. On down to the test stands where they did the engine development and testing of the Saturn's F-1 engines, and then where the, the first time they mated a shuttle with its external boosters and test-fired the entire system as one there. I'll tell you, the, living in Huntsville during all that, that was great. When they'd fire off a set of the Saturn V engines, it would show up on the Richter scale. <laughs> it, it would literally shake the entire town. Well, and my impression is that because of the Space Flight Center, that Huntsville is not your typical town in the area. No, it's not. For one thing, you can't say as a regular expression in Huntsville, it's like it's not like it's rocket science because your neighbor that actually very true. may be a rocket it, scientist. It actually is rocket science there. <laughs> right. Yes. In fact, there's T-shirts that say that. Huntsville <laughs> is a very forward city when it comes to technology. There's open Wi-Fi in most of the downtown. Hmm. If it's a technology company, it at least has an office in Huntsville. Boeing has a huge operation mm-hmm. there. Just about every aerospace company you can name does. The University of Alabama in Huntsville that has a huge optics department where they do developmental work on precision optics and precision optical engineering. I don't know if this is still true or not. At one time, there was a stat published that said there are more people with PhDs and master's degrees in Huntsville than there were in Boston. Okay. And their logic was, well, everybody went to MIT to get their PhD, and then they come to Huntsville to work because the weather was better. <laughs> that was a slogan there for a while. One thing I looked for but couldn't find was why the Space Flight Center ended up in Huntsville. I'm assuming some, some powerful senator was there, but I don't know for sure. In the 1940s, the Army established Redstone Arsenal. 
Okay. Which was is there in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. And it's named after the, the redstone refers to the red clay soil. Okay. It is hard as a brick. So the redstone rocket that carried, uh, I want to say, mercury into orbit is named after the arsenal then? Yes, it was developed and tested and, and built there. Okay. At the end of World War II, when they were looking for places to bring the German scientist, right. Dr. von Braun and his group over, they came to Huntsville to Redstone Arsenal. Okay. And then the Marshall Space Flight Center grew out of the fact that they were all there. I figured there was something there before Marshall, but I didn't catch on that it was the Redstone Arsenal. Okay. The Marshall Space Flight Center is technically on Redstone Arsenal. The other thing at the Space and Rocket Center that you want to see, of course, is while you're there, take a look out and you can see the uh, Space Camp training area. Okay, sure. That's a, a great thing, highly recommended for anybody that wants to go. I've been, and so far two of my kids have been. If I was coming to Huntsville as a visitor, I would try to get a cabin up at the Montesano State Park. Okay. The park and the cabins were all built by the Civilian Conservation Corps back in the 1930s, towards mm-hmm. the end of the Great Depression. They're a little rustic, but comfortable. Great views of the city and the and the rest of the valley from up there, up on Montesano Mountain, which is just kind of the north side of the city. Day trips out of Huntsville, you can go visit everywhere from the Jack Daniels Distillery up in Lynchburg, Tennessee. That's only about an hour, hour and ten minutes away. And can you get there on public transportation or get a ride up there since some people might be tasting while you're there? That would be a good idea. I wish they'd do it. It's going to say they don't, they don't do uh, tours up there? They, they do do tours, but you know, you can't do a tasting there because it's a dry county. Oh, sure. Right. You, you cannot buy Jack Daniels in the county. I didn't there. know that. Interesting. Take a look at downtown Lynchburg. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat. All kinds of little... Shops now have cropped up because of the people who stopped by to tour the distillery. So out of Huntsville, go a little further west to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And strangely enough, Muscle Shoals is this little town, part of what we call the Quad Cities in North Alabama. But it's a center for music recording. Hmm. Everybody from Paul Simon to Aretha Franklin to Bob Dylan have recorded there. I guess Fame Studios mm-hmm. is the, the big one. But... If you're into music history, it's a little version of the recording studios in Nashville and all are down here in Muscle Shoals. And it, it really came out of it because the artists were wanted to get away from Nashville to record and come someplace where they could kind of work in peace. And it wound up in Muscle Shoals. Hmm. It used to be strange dri- driving through there and you'd see tour buses parked out in John Denver and Leonard Skinner and all kinds of names that you, you see you know, back when they used to have them on the front of their tour buses. Mm-hmm. And you'd never know who you'd run into. You'd go, go sit down in one of the little diners to eat. While you're there, also, back in, in Decatur, Alabama, you need to, if you want a place to eat, you can go get some world-famous Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. Okay. It has a number of trophies from Memphis in May. The biggest thing they're famous for is barbecue chicken and white barbecue sauce. White barbecue sauce? White barbecue sauce. Well, I thought I knew all the styles of barbecue sauce in the U.S., and I don't know a white barbecue sauce. It's a mayonnaise-based sauce hmm. with horseradish and generally white wine vinegar hmm. in it. Used a lot on chicken, turkey, poultry, that kind of thing. Gibson's barbecue is, the chicken's fantastic. That is out of this world. <laughs> 
Now, you gave us a time of the year to go to Chattanooga. Is there a similar festival or something that you should really be in Huntsville at that time? There's really a couple of them. I think mm-hmm. if you're there in the in the spring in May, you can find out what weekend that Panoply is going on. It's called Panoply of the Arts, and it's in Big Spring Park, downtown Huntsville. And there will be everything from... Uh, ballet and bagpipe music to painting and sidewalk art and every night ends with a fireworks and laser show. Okay. In the fall they'll have uh, what they call Big Spring Jam which is three days of kind of back-to-back-to-back bands and they'll cover kind of all the genres in that also. Excellent. Do we have another stop on your itinerary here? The Walls of Jericho. Now I want to say the walls of Jericho are in the Middle East, although they fell down, as I recall, from Sunday school. Well, yes, those, those did. The, these have not yet. The walls of Jericho are put on 21,000 acres of nature preserve run by uh, the Nature Conservancy. And where is this? Uh, it's in northeast Alabama and up into southern Tennessee. Uh, it is a beautiful day hike. It's almost say five or six miles back in, into it. They're just north of Woodville, Alabama. And why do they call it the Walls of Jericho? Are there walls? It's a, it's a box canyon. Ah, thank you. Okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to get out and go hike. You, it's, uh, I think that you hike up uh, along the banks of what's called Hurricane Creek, and you can literally go right up the creek to where the water pours out of the rock. Okay, where the spring is. Right. It's just a beautiful out-in-nature hike. If, you're, if you like hiking, looking for birds, that kind of thing, that's probably one of the best places to do it in, in northeast Alabama. Excellent. So you're standing in the prettiest spot in all the Tennessee Valley. Where are you standing? What are you looking at? I'm going to give you two, actually. Okay. Because they're both mountain views. Number one being the what is the third overlook are referred to as the third overlook off Highway 64 going up the Ocoee Gorge, looking out over the, the Ocoee River. Okay. So literally from town, count three overlooks and stop there. Yeah. If you start at the bottom of the Ocoee Gorge going up, it's the third overlook. Okay. If you're going up the hill, it's just before you get to Ducktown. Looking at it over, it's just, it's just a drop-dead gorgeous view from up there. And the second one would be up at a, a place called... Burritt Museum and Park there in Huntsville, looking south out over the city of Huntsville at night. Okay. So we got one for the daytime and one for night. We, okay. Yes. Cool. What's going to surprise me about the Tennessee Valley? Lots of little things you, you would never expect. Okay. Besides the white barbecue sauce, I should Besides say. the white barbecue sauce. <laughs> it's really not anything in Huntsville to be sitting at a table in a restaurant and hearing the guy said, yeah, when I spent six months on the space station... <laughs> In the booth next to you. It's those kind of things that, are, that will surprise you about that area. Excellent. Now, when I tell, especially the, the Huntsville Chamber of Commerce or the CVB, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and the Chattanooga, that we've done this show, what are they going to recommend that you skipped over because you don't think they're worth the time? Ruby Falls. Okay. That's on Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga. I've never been a big fan of just riding the elevator down to look at an underground waterfall with some lights put on it. I like the idea of riding down to see an underground waterfall, but... Uh, yeah, I guess it's neat once. Okay. I, I never thought it was, was worth doing. <laughs> okay. 
And you've mentioned the white barbecue sauce. Is anything else we should eat when we're in this area? No, that's probably the, the most unusual. is Big Bob Gibson's white barbecue sauce. Okay. Okay, you're going to get good barbecue just about anywhere you stop that has smoke coming out of it. <laughs> I have a picture of me stopping at a restaurant that's on fire. But uh, <laughs> before I get to my last three questions, what else should we know before we go to the Tennessee Valley? I would recommend not going in late July and August. Okay. It'll be 95 degrees with 95% humidity. Mm-hmm. That's not the day you want to be tripsing around Rocket Park at the at the Space Museum. That that sounds like a good day to go take an elevator down to see an underground waterfall, actually. but uh, Maybe. <laughs> Excellent. One thing that makes you laugh and say only in the Tennessee Valley. Only in the Tennessee Valley will you see two full-size Saturn V rockets standing up by themselves. Hmm. That is unusual. Uh, and how tall is the Saturn V rocket? Do you know off the top of your head? 363 feet. And you'll find two of them. One there at the Space Museum in Huntsville, and then there's another one at the Alabama Welcome Center on Interstate 65 between Huntsville and Nashville. Huh. Okay, well, that's going to make that easy to spot. (laughs) Yeah, you can't miss it. (laughs) Excellent. Finish this sentence. You really know you're in the Tennessee Valley when what? I think you may have just answered my question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think for for that one, I'd say when you're sitting in a restaurant and the guy next to you talks about his six six months on the space station. Six months on the space station, okay. (laughs) And if you had to summarize this region in just three words, what three would you use? Past, present, and future. Interesting. Okay. Our guest again has been Chuck Pravat. And let me ask you, Chuck, where can people read more about your travels? At foodwinebeertravel.com. I sense a theme here, Chuck. They say you should write things that, write about things you enjoy. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's how the name came about. And as with Amateur Traveler, the URL was available. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming back on the Amateur Traveler. It's been fun, Chris. Thank you. In news of the community, I heard from Diane this week, who said, Thanks, Chris, for the link to your Easter Island podcast. I'm headed there in a few weeks, and it was good to listen to Mike and Hillary's take on it. But as I could find no dates as to when the interview slash podcast was conducted, after listening for a while, I understandably was disappointed to inadvertently learn that their visit to Easter Island was more than six years ago. Worse, some key information in the podcast has now changed, e.g. for more than a year now, there is no longer the $160 reciprocity slash visa fee for U.S citizens visiting Chile, and there is more than a single flight to and from the island from Santiago. I know that many bloggers prefer not to date their posts or podcasts, presumably to make their content seem ever fresh, but when it comes to travel info, not knowing how old the resource is can be a serious problem for those seeking info for a current trip they're planning. You also talked about a photo contest and an Egypt tour on November 5th in the podcast, but now I'm sure that that too is obsolete. In short, did I somehow miss the date of the podcast? And Diane is right. We don't tend to have dates on Amateur Traveler. I used to have them there. I'll probably put them back at some point. But part of the problem is that there is so much that is relevant. What we're really trying to do with Amateur Traveler is trying to answer the question of, should I go to this destination? We don't believe in general that it's the final word that's more of the start of your trip planning rather than the end of it. But I've been trying to do a better job, for instance, of when I mentioned dates like the Egypt tour of trying to put in a year, but I'm not too surprised to find out that I forgot because I do sometimes forget that. I'm curious what you think. Dates or no dates on the podcast. 
I also heard from Kathy. Still people are talking about that North Carolina podcast. And I'm going to skip over the part that we already talked about in previous comments that we failed to mention the Great Smoky Mountains because we've already talked about there's a separate episode on that. Kathy also recommended Old Salem, well above Billy Graham, NASCAR, and Winston-Salem is on I-40, which gives you a straight shot from Asheville through to Raleigh and on to Williamton and Wrightsville Beach. Then there's a zoo deliberately located in the middle of the state, and according to the Wikipedia, the largest walk-through zoo in the world. The famous potteries around Seagrove, notably Jugtown, and the golf courses around Pinehurst. I guess the real problem is there's a lot more in North Carolina than you can cover in one program. Kathy, you are so right. And Kathy says the best Eastern-style barbecue is Allen & Sons just outside of Chapel Hill. The dessert of choice would be pecan or pumpkin pie. Kathy, thanks for your feedback. And Kathy left that as a comment on the episode on North Carolina. So if you're planning on going, you can take a look at that as well. With that, we're going to end this episode of The Amateur Traveler. I haven't mentioned it in a while, but I'd love a review of the show if you've never reviewed it. One of the best ways that people have of finding the show is that shows that have higher reviews, either in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to, are more likely to be found. So if you're enjoying the show, please let others know. If you have questions, send an email to host at amateurtraveler.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at amateurtraveler.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>